You're listening to Lanyap, a weekly digest of news, personal finance, brotherly banter, and whatever else is on our minds. From Stokes Family Office. This is Greg and Doug Stokes with Lanyap Podcast, closing on a good couple days in the market. It's been a choppy week. Good news is bad news for the markets, and bad news is good news. Doug, give us, give us, give me your thoughts on that particular take. Well, I, that's basically been the case for the last uh, year. And by by good news and bad news, you you mean economic good news and bad news? I'm assuming is that that's right? right. So whenever, yeah. like for example, this particular week, the mark the inflation data at the beginning of the week looked like inflation was sticking around and the markets reacted negatively. And the last couple of days, numbers on housing, et cetera, came out and the markets that showed that the housing market is basically getting creamed, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but the markets responded in a positive way. So bad news is good news. Bad economic news is good news for the markets and good economic news means that the Fed is going to be harsh, and and that, in turn, is bad news for the markets. Yeah. Um, the last month has been a little bit uh, contra-narrative over the last maybe quarter in that inflation picked up, uh, there, at least the reading on inflation picked up in uh, January when it came out mid-February. That was on the um, you know, CPI, core CPI, uh, you know, PPI, every, every number you really looked at, it looked like uh, the inflation numbers were reaccelerating. I've been paying attention a bunch to uh, Trueflation, Trueflation.com, dot com, which is essentially a, uh, a way to measure on a daily basis um, the inflation rate. It's actually been a pretty uh, successful predictor of, of what the Federal Reserve is going to come out with uh, not the Federal Reserve, but the um, uh, you know BLS and other uh, inflation measuring organizations on a monthly basis, and basically what they're seeing is continued decline in inflation despite the hiccup in January. And uh, right now, their annualized inflation rate is as of March third is four point nine one percent CPI. So. Um, if that's the case and inflation continues to come down, then um, that would be a, it, you would imagine, a positive for markets. Um, it's been crazy the last 30 days that 10-year Treasury went from uh, sort of the low to mid uh, 3% to above 4%. We were buying Treasury bonds and bills for people over you know 12 and 24-month term that were in the low Mid to, mid to low 4% range that are now in you know 5% plus all happening in the last couple of weeks. I mean, interest rates are moving around like crazy at this point, and that's just the market trying to figure out where this is ultimately, ultimately going to land with the Federal Reserve. Uh, I'm still in the camp that uh, we're going to see continued declines in inflation, and uh, and a lot of that, I believe, is driven by the growth in the money supply or lack thereof. I read uh, this guy, California Beach Pundit. His name's uh, Scott uh, Granis. He's got a blog. It's it's really good. But um, he wrote a he wrote a piece Wednesday, March first, uh, titled "M2: The Smoking Gun of Inflation," and and basically goes through the whole process that uh, the reason we've had much 
uh, higher inflation over the last 24 months, really actually 36 months, uh, then his history is that the money supply grew by uh, $7 trillion. And, and now we're on a decline year over year in money supply. And he's basically saying his prediction is that in the next 9 to 12 months, um, the Federal Reserve will be at their 2% target just based upon the growth in the money su- supply um, it basically defined as M2 uh, money. So anyway, a uh, good article and a good person to read. And, and I'm still in that camp uh, that uh, inflation's declining and um, it will continue to decline throughout the remainder of this year. So based upon this Trueflation website that you just referenced, at the peak one year ago, inflation, according to this website, was in the 12 to 13% range, which is pretty crazy, which is way... It's way higher than what the Fed reported uh, at that point in time, or the right. federal government reported at that point in time. It's much, it's significantly lower now than what the the federal government the, the federal government saying inflation is like in the six and a half percent range. So this, there's, I think that a lot of that is a lot of the lagging stuff, like, like uh, you know, right, rent exactly. specifically. Yeah. So I, I think that's if if you take the analysis that you just referenced with that particular individual. Um, if you if that ends up being right, what a screaming deal bonds are right now. Because if if the Fed can be if the Fed is successful in getting inflation down to two percent, and you can lock in bonds, long term bonds at four or five or six percent, then you're going to be ar- be able to arbitrage the difference over a long period of time. I, I'm like I couldn't agree with you more. I, I and then if you think about it from the perspective of um, you know, the, the opportunity cost or the decision tree that people go through between just stocks and bonds is the two major asset classes. And you're buying stock market, let's say is at 17 times earnings, which, um, if you flip that around, um, is an earnings yield of call it five and a half percent. And you can get a, for equity, which is, you know, generally higher risk than debt. Um, you can buy a bond at 5% for, uh, or you know, four percent guaranteed, five percent for investment grade over a ten-year frame. I would say the better deal in the market right now is bonds. If uh, if inflation is going to come down, right? So and that's my. You uh, hear all these anecdotal stories of people that bought thirty-year treasuries in the eighties at eighteen percent yields, and people were like, "Well, if I had that opportunity again, I, I would have bought so many, or I would be buying so many treasuries." Well. This may be one of those opportunities. Who knows, obviously. But yields are certainly higher than they have been in a very long period of time, and certainly in our careers. Um, so it's, it's, it looks like a decent opportunity. On the, on the flip side, the institutions that are paying those rates, institutions and, and like actual borrowers, like home borrowers, like people that have mortgages, it's just got to be brutal. I mean, the the interest rate on a thirty year mortgage in the United States is six point six five percent as of yesterday. Imagine it on a just just for picking a round number on a million dollar mortgage, it's sixty six thousand dollars a year in interest. Last about two years ago, those that same mortgage those same mortgage rates were in the twos. So all of a sudden, for that and so in in dollar terms on a million dollar mortgage, that's twenty to $25,000 of interest. Now that same loan is $66,000 of interest. That's just imagine trying to, to handle something like that. 
and you can understand why the housing market is really uh, come come to a screeching halt. Yeah, I think halt is the right word because um, yeah, that's a scary number that you go from a, let's call it a three percent mortgage to a seven percent mortgage in twelve months. Um, but if you actually look at the data, and, and Goldman Sachs put this out, um, that 99% of outstanding mortgages have interest rates below the current you know, 30-year rate that's in the market. Um, that's so, crazy. And, and 15% of those people are uh, actually, yeah, 15% of those people are at uh, 3%, 7% of the people are at 2.75 and then 6% are below 2.75. So you've got 30% of the market right now of homeowners that have a mortgage, um, have a mortgage at 3% or less. Do you think we'll ever um, see those 3% mortgages again? I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a bet and say yes. I think so. If, if you think inflation is going to go down, then presumably that will likely likewise go down as well too, right? Yeah. And I also think the, uh, the, Economic growth. I mean, I, th- I think interest rates are really driven by also, um, you know, inflation, obviously, but inflation is driven by ultimately economic growth. And if you have an aging population and low population growth, then ultimately you'll have low economic growth. And then by virtue of having low economic growth, you'll be trending towards lower interest rates. And so I think I, th- I think we're in this huge demographic wave that is difficult to stop, even despite a seven trillion dollar injection into the economy. That I think will will hit those low growth, low inflation numbers again. And and by virtue of having that, I think we're going to hit maybe not two percent more uh, mortgages, but you know, in the uh, when I got my first mortgage in twenty fourteen, uh, I got a, a three point seven five percent rate. Yeah, I got like a my, I got a four. I think mine was four point seven or something like that in twenty eleven. And I thought that was cheap. Yeah. I thought that was cheap at the time. Um, I refinanced, uh, uh, thankfully, in I think twenty twenty. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I think you know, going back to what was normal before COVID, which is in that three to four percent range, is is a high probability event in my mind. Right. And in terms of screeching halt, the people that have those two percent mortgages or three percent mortgages that are in a house that they can live in, just from a you know, from a size standpoint, I mean. I don't. I can. I wouldn't imagine those people are really going to be uh, wanting to move and and take on a, a bigger interest rate um, because that's. I mean, that's. We talked about the concept of golden handcuffs previously with those individuals, um, but the idea, especially at today's rates, of moving is is really inconceivable. And you can. You can. We talked about that in the concept in the in the um, in the from the con- conceptual standpoint of screeching halt which is what the housing market has really experienced lately. But also, it's starting to be reflected in the the prices of real estate. Nick, and I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce his last name. It's a Greek last name. This individual is like the the Fed whisperer, basically. Works for the Wall Street Journal. He he said that U.S. home... What do they call him? Nick the Greek. Yeah, is that what they... But I thought they called him another name related to the Federal Reserve. But this guy's always like leaking leaking information from the fed yeah no and it moves it moves prices like crazy so nick the greek said u.s home prices this is just data he's reporting u.s home prices fell 5.4 percent at an annualized rate over the over the july to december period according to s&p case shoulder index 
all 20 cities in the index recorded declines in the six-month annualized rate. And if you look at this in, in particular, the the best performing, they're all negative, but the best performing one is um, Miami, Chicago, the worst single one, uh, which are basically flat but slightly negative. The worst single performing one over, over on an annualized basis is San Francisco, which is down in, uh, down over 20%, which is crazy to me. Um, re- in terms of the, the actual sc- screeching halt, uh, Bill McBride says Realtor.com reports weekly average inventories up 67%. New listings down sixteen percent. Yeah, um, I think that that's the uh, the summary from this is, you know, if anything, there's listings are down sixteen percent. So it's like, why would I why would I sell my house and go get a six or seven percent mortgage when I've got a three percent mortgage? I'm going to wait this thing out and um, and the the other thing too is that just home prices haven't really reflected the change in rates that much because people there's the inventory is way down and so. Like if you look at uh, Cullen Roche wrote an article uh, on the 22nd of February call, called "Has Housing Bottomed," um, and he goes through you know the biggest uh, the biggest component of this is uh, you know the gap between affordability for a new home and for versus renting, and there just isn't uh, there isn't a huge um, decline in price of homes compared to the growth in interest rates. And, um, there's one, one of two things that has to happen. Either, uh, home prices stabilize and rent growth sort of grows into them or, um, or home prices come down. And I think that that's, uh, uh, my, my sort of base case is that there's just going to be not a whole lot of activity in housing and, uh, and either we're going to have sort of a sideways market in housing or until rents sort of catch up, or maybe we have a decline in interest rates, which, uh, you know, decreases that affordability gap. But as it currently stands, um, there's just a massive gap between what you can afford in rent versus, um, you know, the comparable house to buy. And, And so no houses are affordable at this point. Absolutely. Um, the other thing that I found interesting was, and this is all closely correlated to the housing market, over the last 10 years, really, the number of realtors has prolifer- proliferated. I wonder what that profession is looking like right now. It cannot be good. Yeah, there's a. I saw a stat, and the, the amount of realtors that have uh, quit the profession in the last 12 months is... Um, higher now or maybe equally as high as it as it was in 2009 uh so this i mean nobody's buying houses yeah you can't buy a house imagine a mortgage banker like what are you originating you was you had a 2021 and first part of 2022 you were like you're probably turning down business you're like right and and now you're scratching to get it so um yeah i wonder what uh, it's crazy how quickly that moves yeah, what, what I wonder what Rocket Mortgage stock price is doing right now. Yeah, can't be I, good. No, but yeah, I mean it's it like it's it's just a, it's crazy how quickly the uh, narrative changes, and um, that's that particular profession and any anything related to housing right now is just getting absolutely killed. As it relates to Rocket Mortgage, it IPO'd in uh, 2020 at like $25 a share. It's $8 a share right now. The other stock housing-related stocks like Zillow 
I mean, those are just like off so much since since they're well, open door, which open was door right on buying. They were doing a e buys basically. You know, they're buying a bunch of houses, fixing them up, and flipping them, and uh, and specifically in like their concentration was in Phoenix metro area, and that's like that that market is getting no bueno. So, yeah, right. Um, anyway, so this we wanted to make this a quick one, uh, just in the post uh, Mardi Gras, uh, you know, hangover that everybody's got. But maybe we'll end with uh, what you did for your Mardi Gras break and uh, and. How was it? How was your time spent? Um, so speaking of inflation, we talked about this on the last podcast, but the price of ski school and that whole, the whole production of taking your children skiing is enormously expensive, but on the same token, it's a really fun activity. Kids had a great time and they have a skill that they can hopefully have the rest of their lives. They're both getting, my big kids are, approaching like level five ski or uh, ski level, which means they get their pole soon. So it's really fun. We went to Vail, Colorado, which was the first time I'd been there in that area. And it was, I was, I want to go back already. It was beautiful. Um, the Rockies in that particular area are really high. The base of the mountain there, or the, the peak of the mountain is like 12,000 feet, which is crazy, 11,200 feet or something like that. So it got great snow. Um, and had a great time with my family. It was a great time to, to get out of town while the kids were out of school. Speaking of uh, Vail, I'm looking at Vail Resorts uh, stock. It's M- MTN. It hasn't done anything for five years. I'm, I'm interested to see what their earnings have done over the last five years, if you exclude. Uh, they own ex- all the big mountains in the United States. Yeah, so uh, 731 2019 um, that's, I guess that's their fiscal year end. They had total revenue of $2.2 million, um, and uh, which is like sort of that pre-COVID year, and earnings per share of $7.32 a share. Trailing 12 months, uh, $2.6 million of revenue, uh, $8.60 of earnings per share. So they're all already above 2019 numbers in 2022, and... I'm sure a lot of that's driven by just uh, increasing the cost of everything. Going, it's like it's like going to Disney. It's like they can, they can just do whatever they want from a price right. perspective. They, even though it was crazy expensive, the ski school was sold out for three of the days that we were there for all of our kids' age age groups. Um, the, the other interesting thing when I was there too was we we I'm fascinated by Latin America and Argentina specifically. The like sixty to seventy percent of the Ski uh, instructors and staff are all on these visas that allow for seasonal workers, and they're like sixty percent of them are Argentinians or Costa Ricans or Peruvians. So it was pretty interesting. I was able to practice a little bit of Spanish, um, but that particular area is really nice. It's also very easily accessible from, uh, from Denver, and I can see why it's really become. It was that 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 whole area was developed starting in the sixties, so it's only been like. 60 days we're celebrating their 60 year anniversary so uh or 70 year anniversary so that's it's it's amazing to me how um our 60 year anniversary time please edit that out it's amazing to me how quickly that's developed and become what it is now it's the largest ski resort in the country yeah i didn't have the uh the enjoyable break that you had we had we were in montana but we got negative 15 degree weather with uh negative 35 degree wind chill with we had some friends with us too and i felt so bad because uh 
it was just like staring at it. It was our first time there, and we were you know we hyped it up. Um, but we had four <laughs> kids under the age of five inside for seven days, um, and you paid money for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, it was we made the best of it, but it was definitely not. You know, it was good to hang out with kids. Um, I guess you can at least say that. But you can say that, but good to, not mean it. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> it's good to hang out with them for like you know an hour. And then right. if you're st- after you're stuck in the house with them for 12 hours a little bit. But. Yeah. Anyway, um, but it was uh, it was pretty looking from the inside out. But uh, anyway, I was glad to get back and you know, came back with a cold and, um, you know, and a busy work week. But glad to get back into the swing of things and be outside of Mardi Gras and Christmas and uh, into some sort of normal New Orleanian lifestyle. So. Absolutely. Get some crawfish this weekend for sure. Guys, thank you so much for joining today. If you enjoyed this, please give us five stars. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lanyap. This podcast is brought to you by Stokes Family Office. If you liked this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about Stokes Family Office and Lanyap, visit us at stokesfamilyoffice.com. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.